Jesus came to destroy the devil's work, to heal the sick, to open up blind eyes, to raise the dead, and we're called to do the very same thing. So it is our job to continue coming in alignment and destroy the devil's work when he tries to rise up and destroy you. And if you partner with Christ, then therefore you are also a miracle worker as you are in agreement with what he is doing. As you speak forth truth, you need to know that this anointing is for his children, of which you all are. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued power from on high, until you are clothed with power from on high, until you are clothed with dunamis power, power for miracles. Say, I am clothed with power for miracles because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me and has come upon me. See, the devil tries to snatch your seed but this seed he will not even touch. He, he's not even going to touch it. The seed is the word of God. Turn to Luke 8. Not touching this seed. You may have been able to snatch some seed in the past, but it's a new day. We're guarding our harvest. See, I'm guarding my harvest. I will meditate on this word. Luke 8, verse 11 says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, out of their hearts. That's why we need to meditate on the word because we are not going to allow the enemy to steal the word. The word that you're going to receive tonight is the word that you're going to meditate on and you're going to keep. And you're going to walk in. We need a revelation of the word so that we keep that word and walk it, and walk it out. Right? Say, Father, I thank you for your revelation. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that works mightily within me. I thank you that I'm never alone, but I'm always walking with you, and I'm one in Christ, with you in Christ. So I'm going to guard the harvest that's being produced by the seed that's spoken out of my mouth. Hallelujah. So the miracle is truly in our mouths. That's why we need to speak the word of God. That's why we need to decree a thing and know that it's going to be established, right? So he became poor so that we could become rich, right? Right? He became poor. He took the stripes on his back so that we could walk in complete health, so that we can walk completely whole. He took those stripes upon his, upon his back. He bore our shame so that we could walk confidently. There's no shame here. And for your former shame, he's given you a double portion. His, his glory, his honor, a double portion. So I received the double portion. Even tonight I'm receiving a double portion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. No lying spirit will be allowed to reside here in the name of Jesus. He changed my name. He changed yours too. 
because you used to be a sinner, but now you're a saint. He changed your name. He's given you a new name. And you now belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you now will do great exploits in the name of Jesus because you love your God. I love my Lord. Do you love the Lord? We love the Lord with a holy passion. Absolutely. He calls me beloved. He calls me more than a conqueror. He calls you more than a conqueror. He says, what I've begun in you, I will also finish it. I don't want you to fret. I don't want you to worry. You are as bold as a lion. You're a miracle worker because Christ in you is the miracle. We know Jesus is the miracle worker, but Christ in you is the miracle worker. Who's doing it through you? But Christ. And if you partner with Christ, then therefore you are also a miracle worker as you are in agreement with what he is doing. See, the, the, the Lord needs your and wants your participation. Because if he doesn't get it from you, he'll get it from somebody else. Say, he's going to get it from me. He's getting it from me. He is my deliverer. Come on, he's called us out of the grave. He's literally called us out of the grave. He's called you out of the grave. So I cherish the anointing. Do you cherish the anointing? We cherish the anointing. We protect this, this gift of intimacy that he has given us. Right? We're redeemed. Amen? So uh, let's look at Acts 10.38. We just quoted it a few minutes ago, but I want you to look at it in your word. Acts 10.38. Power, powerful, powerful scripture. Because the devil is the source of sickness and disease. We are all agreement in agreement, right? That the devil is the source of sickness and of diseases. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Say, that power is dunamis power. It's strength, it's force, it's dynamic energy coming from the throne of heaven. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Jesus went about doing good. We must go about doing good. Stop waiting for everyone to come to you and start going about. Go about and do good. So he went about and he did good. And he healed some who were oppressed by the devil. Is that what your Bible says? All. He healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Oppression comes from the devil. Oppression does not come from God. It says, for God was with him. So oppression comes from the devil. But Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed from the devil. Look at Psalm 107. Let's just turn there quickly. Psalm 107 and verse 20. The word says that he sent his word and he healed them and delivered, there it is again, he delivered them from their destructions. His word was sent, and his word delivered. His word was sent, and his word delivered you from your destructions. 
In other words, he rescued you from the pit. Every form of destruction that the enemy sent your way, the Lord, which is and whom is the word, was sent to deliver you. So he's the great deliverer and he's the great healer. And we know that in Exodus 15 and 26, he says, I am the Lord God who healeth thee. Right? We know he is the healer. And 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this reason, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What's the reason the Son of God was manifested? Destroy the works of the devil. Not the works of God. The works of the devil, right? Because some people get this confused. And they think it's the work of God to teach you a lesson, and that's why you're sick. And they think that this is going to help your walk, and that's why you're sick. And that it comes from the Lord. But Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Didn't he say that? He said, I must be about my father's business. If he is about his father's business, and if the devil is the source of sickness and disease, right, Otherwise, Jesus would be destroying his father's work. He would be literally going in direct opposition to what his father's work is. Are we all paying attention here tonight? So it is the will of God to be delivered from the destroyer. It is 100% the will of God. And we don't base our understanding of healing based on someone receiving their healing or not. God remains the same just as his word remains the same. And therefore, we will remain the same in our understanding of the word of truth. He is the healer. That's it. Final. It's exclamation point. He is the healer. He already has healed you by his stripes. You actually already are healed. That healing is not just physical, but it's mind, it's body, it's soul. It's every form of healing. It's complete wholeness in his presence. We are healed by the stripes that Jesus bore on his body. So he is the one that came to destroy the works of the devil. He destroyed the devil's work. So it is our job to continue coming in alignment and destroy the devil's work when he tries to rise up and destroy you. Now we know he is the prince of the power of the air. And we know that he will always try to come subtly and bring devastation. But we've already, we already have a high king. We already have, we serve the king of kings and the lord of lords who's already taken care of this. So when we come into agreement with what's already finally completely done, his blood is enough. We actually receive it even before sometimes we may even see it. Important that we get this embedded in our spirits and say, listen, we don't judge if somebody gets fully healed based on how they look, how they feel, or what they say, but what Jesus has already done. And so too many people will, will leave the final verdict, verdict if they're healed or not based on how they feel or what a doctor or some diagnosis is already pronounced over them. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom. Verdict, if they're healed or not, based on how they feel or what a doctor or some diagnosis is already pronounced over them. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom. 
So it takes faith to hang on to the truth and to say, no, that's not my portion. And I refuse to allow myself to believe it. I'm not going to believe it, right? So it takes faith to hang on to the truth and to say, no, that's not my portion. And I refuse to allow myself to believe it. I'm not going to believe it, right? Important, very important. Say it's important. See, it is the gospel, and the gospel is the good news. It's not just any kind of good news. See, sometimes there's lots of good news, right? Sometimes there's a lot of good news. You just graduated, that's good news. You got married, that's good news. You got a raise. There's a lot of things we can say that would be considered good news. But this is the eternal good news. This is the good news that never changes. This is the good news that doesn't shift. It doesn't shift like a shifting shadow. It's always good. It's always the same. It's always strong and it always remains. Right? The good news. Glory to God. The king is risen. Jesus has risen. He has thrown open the gates of death. No longer. No longer is sin or sickness or disease. No longer does it get to have any power over us unless we let it. Look at Romans 10, 15. Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach or bring the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Say, it's a good thing that I came to church tonight. It's a good thing that I read my Bible day by day. It's a good thing that I'm storing up his word deep within my heart. It's a good thing that when I speak, I speak as an oracle of God. It's a good thing. Say, it's a good thing. Because when I speak, things change. When I speak in accordance to the word. So it's a good thing to speak the gospel. It's a good thing to bring the good news. It's a good thing. And how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Are we all called to bring the good news? We're all called to bring the good news. And God calls you beautiful for doing so. Amen. If God calls that beautiful, then we need to be doing that more. Amen. Because God's way of approving his chosen ones many times is through signs and wonders. It's through, it's through miracles. So look at Acts 2.22. This is right after Peter gave his sermon. And it all, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Right after he gets all done with this whole message, he's preaching this message. Look at verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles wonders and signs you have so many people that will dismiss oh it's nah, miracles we're ah, that's just for you know that's for the weak that's for the young that's for the immature we just want the word you just want the word 
Well, maybe you ought to read the word, and maybe you ought to understand that Jesus literally came to destroy the devil's work. Jesus literally came to heal the sick, to open up blind eyes, to raise the dead, and we're called to do the very same thing. And God said, I affirm him because of what he's done. Now, the religious people did not like that. They had a problem with it. Of course they did. Did you see them doing many miracles? Did you see anybody, any demon being cast out as they laid hands on? Did you see anybody getting healed? No, of course they were going to have a problem with the worker, the miracle worker. Of course. And of course they're having, some of them having a have problem with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here we see in this verse, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. In other words, he's saying, you saw it, you can't deny it. You can't deny what this man has done. God is with him. Now let's go over to John. Go to John 12. Verse 37, but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. It's crazy. The, he, he did so many signs, so many miracles, so many people getting their lives back. You know, women with the issue of blood. Twelve years just being destroyed by the devil's work. Spending all of her money going to doctors to no avail, no help. But one moment with Jesus, one touch of his garment, one touch of his garment, and she was healed. She felt the power of God go through her, and she knew she was healed, and Jesus knew power left him and said, who touched me? You guys know the story. So he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, but yet the religious leaders couldn't see what was right before their very eyes. They saw it, but they didn't really see it. They saw it, but they refused to believe that he is who he says he is, that he is God. This is important that we really get this. Because a house divided cannot stand. And we're going to get there in a minute. We're going to get there in a minute. A house divided cannot stand. I'm going to read, continue right where, you are, where we are at in John 12. Verse 38. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? We're going to believe in the report of the Lord, church. We believe in the report of the Lord and not anything else unless it aligns with the word of the Lord. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. They couldn't believe. They couldn't believe what they saw. Because Isaiah, he says, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Here's the thing. The devil is the one that wants to blind you that wants to rob you. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. 
the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So if you don't believe, you refuse to believe in Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is the healer, never will that change. If you don't want to believe that because you don't believe him, right, then therefore what happens is, is that the God of this age will literally blind your mind. Because you chose to not believe. Belief is a big thing, very, very big. The, remember, the Israelites did not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Therefore, they continued to go around and around and around until what? The next generation was the one that we're going to go in, right? Because unbelief has an end point. Stop playing games with the Lord and get rid of your unbelief. If you think, oh, I kind of falter with it, it's enough is enough. Say no more. Today, I make a choice. I'm not going to be like the Israelites that I read it, I read it, I read it. I see it, I see it, I see it. Sometimes I might even operate in it, but unbelief blinds my mind. You're not an unbeliever. You're a believer. So that's not your lot. So if unbelief is plaguing you at all, cast it out. Repent and cast it out. Because you know the enemy is crafty, right? And we're not going to tolerate his lying schemes. That's what they are. They're lying schemes. Now, notice they didn't deny that Jesus could do the miracles. They saw the miracles. They didn't deny. I mean, come on. Withered hand gets healed. The blind guy now can see. They can't deny and they didn't deny that he was doing the miracles, but they denied, uh, they wouldn't believe he was God. They wouldn't believe that he was who he said he was. He, they wouldn't believe that Jesus is Lord. Aren't you the carpenter's son? Aren't you, didn't, weren't you raised in such and such place? Don't I know your mom? Don't I know your dad? Come on, really? You're so born again now? You operate in signs and wonders? You operate in the miraculous? Really? I know who you are. No, you don't. Because that person's dead. That person's dead. Leave it to my husband. She ain't here. <laughs> he told me today something like about you married two people. I don't know what he said. What did you say again? He says, my husband literally told me today, he goes, man, he goes, like with you, I feel like I was married twice. He said, the BC apostle, of course, I was an apostle back then. He says, and what did you say now, the current person? He said it so much better. What? On fire. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so she ain't here. A house divided cannot stand. Let's go over. Let's quickly go over to Matthew. So a house divided cannot stand. How could Beelzebub cast out Beelzebub? Matthew 12, 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed. Say, wow. He was also blind. Say, oh, no. But he was also mute. Say, oh, dear God in heaven. But Jesus healed him. So it was no match for Jesus. Come on, he could have been demon-possessed, blind and mute.
church. Come on, you would think, man, one of those, just one by itself would have been bad enough. No, you have to go and be all three. Yeah, and it was no match for Jesus. And it's no match for you. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Because you know what? That, that, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to intimidate you. Okay, I'm going to bring someone that's blind, can't see, can't hear, can't drink, can't eat, can't whatever. <laughs> I'm going to try to intimidate them. He was demon-possessed. He was blind. And he couldn't see. He was mute. He was blind and demon-possessed. But, and Jesus healed him. That's it. It just says, and Jesus healed him. It's not even the end of the sentence. It's just, yeah, and by the way, by the way, Jesus just healed him. But aren't we supposed to be like Jesus in this world? And Jesus healed him so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. This is the common practice. This is what they constantly saw as Jesus walked here on earth, right? And the multitudes were amazed. And they said, could this be the son of David? Verse 24. Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except, here we go, here's all the accusations, get ready, put your shield up. He says, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, which is the ruler of demons. They're like, oh yeah, the only way he's casting out demons is by Beelzebub. Like, listen to yourself. Does Satan cast out Satan? Does the devil cast out the devil? But Jesus knew their thoughts. I love that. You don't even have to say a word. Jesus knows their thoughts. And he says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So we will not be a house divided. We will not be a church divided. We will not be an individual divided. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. People go, she's operating out of witchcraft. I know it. He's operating out of witchcraft. I know it. Does Satan cast out Satan? Does Beelzebub cast out Beelzebub? That is a divided house. That is not God. Jesus is the healer. Satan does not want to heal you, trust me. He doesn't want to heal you. He doesn't want to see you well. He doesn't want to see you at peace. He doesn't want to see you free. He doesn't want to see you whole. He doesn't want to see you financially set free. He is not the deliverer. He's just not. So don't worry. People accuse you because they accuse Jesus of the very same thing. Right? And if I cast out, verse 27, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. By the finger of God, every demon spirit will bow its head when you walk in the room and you open your mouth. By the finger of God, as you speak forth truth, you need to know that this anointing is for his children, of which you all are. It's for every one of you. Every one of us. Verse 29, or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Unless he first binds up the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. 
He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Hallelujah. We will not be a house that is divided. We will be a house that's on fire for Jesus, a house that is united, a house that is whole, a house that looks to one another and says, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I encourage you today? That's the kind of house that he wants us to be. Thank you, Father. So in reality, the, the world, the enemy, they're after your anointing. Stop making this about you. It's not about you. Say, it's not about me. It's always about the anointing. You know, that's what they were. They didn't understand Jesus. You know, they called them, they called them all kinds of names. They, they saw the miracles. I mean, remember Nicodemus, Nick at night? You know, this religious ruler. And, and you know, uh, uh, you know he, he saw but the, he went at night. He didn't want to go in the daytime to go and meet Jesus, but he couldn't deny that which what he was seeing. It's just that it would have cost him something to actually say, hey, you know what? I believe that you really are the son of God. It would have cost him too much. He would have had to get rid of something he was already in relationship with, some things, some people. He would have had to give something up, prestige, a title, I don't know. He would have had to give something up. He would have had to let that go and actually said, you know what, I agree, I believe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak it out. I'm going to come in the daytime, not in the nighttime. No, instead he went at night so he can hide, so he wouldn't be seen. Some people value their position in the churches more than being seated in the heavenly places. So in other words, they would rather have some leftover regurgitated gospel instead of having the truth because they're so used to their high and mighty position. Oh, come on, I know I'm speaking to some of you. I know that I'm speaking to some of you that at least know somebody that has literally exchanged that which God says is best for what you thought was good. But... Good is always the enemy of best. And we don't want good when God's giving us best, right? So he, he goes at night to hide. Well, but see, this is exactly, it's like, okay, well, that's great. At least he went at night. But this was exactly what Jesus continued to encounter. Cowards. People that wouldn't speak truth, but they would kind of secret. You know, it happens our days, in our days too. They come to you privately, and they try to puff you up. Now, they wouldn't say that in front of a group because, remember, they need to keep their positions. But they'll come to you privately, and they'll tell you how good you are, and they'll try to flatter you, and you sit there, and you see it all, and Lord have mercy because you just want to, you know, it's just they're sliming you, and you know it. But it's the same, same tactic that they were using even when Jesus walked on earth, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing is new under the sun. Everything that you encounter, Jesus already encountered. But remember, it's, they're always after the anointing. It's not about you. So we have to take our personal, ourselves out of it. We have to take our emotions or how we feel. That has to come out of the equation. Because it's always after your anointing. The devil is after your anointing. Don't give it to him. And you're all anointed. Every one of you has the anointing that God has poured out. And anointing grows. Yeah. 
as you pursue him. He's only going to give you what you're going to use. He's not going to give you something that you're just going to keep in the closet and say, well, in 25 years from now, I think I'll be ready to step out in that gift of faith. Then therefore, in 25 years from now is when you might get it. He wants to increase your anointing. But you got to be ready to use it too. So those who oppose you, remember, it is never personal. In Acts 2 and verse 32, it says, this is, this Jesus God has raised up. We're back to Peter's sermon. We're back to where we began. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. He poured this out which you now see and hear. The anointing is seen. The anointing is heard. They see it. They hear it. They recognize it. Just the vast majority is jealous of it. But you're not going to take your eyes off of that which is pure and beautiful and holy and be distracted by a scheme of the enemy. Because that's what it is. It's one thing to know it, and you do need to know it. You need to understand the tactic, but you're not going to keep your eyes focused on the tactic. Because you're called to do mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. You are called to literally do the works that he did with ever-increasing fashion. We're called to do that. And we're called to continually be encouraged and be strengthened in the word of truth and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he leads us and he guides us into all truth. We're promised this. He doesn't lead us in a place where he'll leave us in a desperate situation. That doesn't mean you don't go through anything. It just means that he's there with you when you go through it. It just means that he makes the crooked road straight. It doesn't mean that you never go through any fires just means that you're not going to be scorched by the fire. It just means you're not going to come out smelling like smoke. You're not going to be destroyed in the fire if you keep your eyes on Jesus because the anointing on your life will cause you to rise up and say, that fire is not going to touch me. That fire is not going to touch me. That fire is not going to touch my children. That fire is not going to come near my house. Your anointing will rise up and literally decree a thing, and that thing shall be established so that light will shine upon your ways. There is an increase of anointing that will start to flow as you take the word of God and seriously let it come forth out of your mouth, knowing that as Jesus is, so am I. And I will literally walk in conjunction, in unity with truth, regardless of how I feel or don't feel, regardless of what's going on in life. I will be faithful, will you, to the word of God. I will be faithful to the living God. He's eternal. He's unending. Amen. He's everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. And he's always with us. And he's encouraging you. And he's strengthening us to literally do what he's called us to do. I love that. He calls us to do something. And then he literally encourages us to do it and strengthens us to do it. He doesn't leave us alone. Praise God. Yeah. And we need it. We need to know this. We need to hear it. We need to know it. And we need to walk in it. Glory to God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, Lord God. Um, uh, Daniel 11, I was thinking of this verse that I had already mentioned a couple times, but I want to turn to it. I want you to look at it. Daniel 11 and verse 32. Daniel 11 and verse 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. Flattery will always corrupt you. That's why we don't, we're not moved by flattery. And now we're also not going to be ones that flatter, right? But, but look at the rest of that scripture. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong. It doesn't say that God will carry out great exploits. Most people look at that and say, God's going to do it. Well, yes, God actually has already done it. But, you know, there is something in understanding that God walks with us. And, of course, by the mighty hand of God, these things are accomplished. But that's not what the scripture says there, is it? Let's look at it. But the people who know their God shall be strong. That's us. Means we shall be strong. Means we are strong. Because we are under the mighty hand of Jesus. And he literally fills us, us up, right? And carry out great exploits. The people who know their God. The problem is right there. Not everyone knows their God. Because you can know on a, to a certain extent, have an understanding. But if you really know and you have a deep relationship with Jesus, and you are completely sold out, you trust him with your children, you trust him with your grandchildren, you trust him with your spouse, you trust him fully with your finances and everything. You trust him. You don't fret and worry. And the times that you kind of feel like you're going down that road, you quickly just, Lord, forgive me. Starting to go back down that path again. Everybody does it, but we don't want to stay there. We want to just go, oh, you know what, Lord? No, I'm not going to live there because I know my God. And so we all need to be reminded from time to time. And the Holy Spirit is so good, so faithful, and so gently. He reminds us, doesn't he? He reminds us. He, he just nudges us. If you're a person that needs to be spanked and whacked, whoo, well, then maybe that's just where you're at. But there needs to come a point in time where it's just a gentle nudging is all that is really required. Because your love for him starts to grow. Your, your commitment to him really starts to grow so much. And then all, all that needs to be said or done is you can just feel, oh, I think I've just displeased the Lord a little bit there. And that's enough to convict you, right? So, but it says the people who know their God, when we know God, like intimately know him, we want to please him. And it says that the people who know their God, right, that they shall be what? Strong. And they shall do mighty exploits in his name. That's all of you. Is that you? We know our God, right? We walk in relationship with him. And that is continually, day by day, growing. It's growing for all of us. That relationship, that intimacy, it's growing for us. Amen. Because we pursue him. But ultimately, because he pursues us. Isn't that true? 
He pursues us, and it's just incredible. Lord, you're incredible. Father, thank you, Lord God. We are your people. We do know you, but we ask for more. Oh, how we desire to know you even more, Father God. We thank you that there's no end to that. Lord, continue to give us revelation. Lord God, we even as we began, Lord God, that the, the word, the seed, which is the word of God, Father, Lord, it's not going to be picked apart. It's not going to be stolen from us. It's not the seed that, that falls by the wayside. Lord, this is the seed that gets planted deep within our hearts. Even what was just given forth tonight, Lord, what they received tonight, Lord God, it's going deep within them. And they know you are the healer. You are the restorer. You are the one that keeps them. You do not sleep. You do not slumber. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are consistent, Lord God. Ah, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord God. We give you the glory and we give you the honor in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's children said, amen. Hallelujah.